when we came to Australia, we didn't expect anything from Australia. You know, when you go and live in a foreign country, I don't believe that you should expect them to be taking special care of you particularly. But New Zealand and Australia have this trans-Tasman travel arrangement. So if you're going to have an arrangement, then make it an unequal arrangement. When Leanne Carlin moved with her husband Richard and their two daughters from Fakatane to Brisbane eight years ago, she knew what they were in for. We knew that we couldn't get the unemployment benefit. We knew that we couldn't get a pension if we were stayed here and retired without being citizens. We knew that if anything happened to us and we couldn't work, you know, if we ended up with a disability or an illness, we knew that we we couldn't get any benefit there. We knew that our kids wouldn't be able to get student loans um, for tertiary education. Contrast that with what Australian Ashley Garlic gets here. I'm on a permanent residence visa. So we, my partner and I have been Australian citizens. When we came over, we didn't have to apply for a visa. We just, when we filled in all our documentation to get across here during the COVID because we moved across peak COVID time. Um, when we got here, we were just automatic permanent residences. And with every time we leave here and come back, we'll, our sort of permanent resident visa as such just gets updated and changed. Apart from then going the next step, staying my designated time before I can become a citizen, I have pretty much all rights as a citizen would. She also gets to vote here after a year and she's entitled to some welfare benefits. Plus, she's on an automatic path to citizenship. All she has to do is pass the language and good character tests. The differences have come as a bit of a shock. New Zealand and Australia were just cousins and they were same, same but different. And what would be, what would go one way would also be like would also go the other way and it, it hasn't been the case and it it is a little bit disappointing that like one way it's we get so much more rights and benefits coming over here than what you guys do going over over to home. Well, for expat Kiwis and Oz, it's all about to change. The gulf between our nations narrowed to a ditch once again. Our bond with New Zealand is warmer than ever. Jacinda Ardern in Sydney today to forge a pathway for more Kiwis to become Australian citizens. Kiwis who've made the long-term move to Australia could also be given voting rights under an electoral review and pathways are being examined to make citizenship applications easier. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly and today on The Detail, after more than two decades of inequality, hundreds of thousands of New Zealanders across the ditch are in for a better deal. So, back to Leanne Carlin and her family, why they moved to Oz despite these inequalities. Yeah, we came over in 2014. Richard, my husband, came over uh, 2013 to job hunt. And we basically waited for him to get a, a permanent job before, you know, I brought the kids over. What was the thinking? There are a few reasons. Probably the main reason was that we were really struggling to get ahead financially. We had sort of ummed and ahed about Australia over the years because we've both got family here. And in the end, we thought, let's try Australia. 
if it doesn't work, we can come back. We still own a house in Whakatane and we thought let's just take the risk and go. You know, it's no big deal. We've done a lot of travel and that sort of thing. And eight years later, you're still there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we really enjoy it. And also when you've got kids, you start getting quite entrenched in life here and so do your kids. And so moving back would have actually been a a big thing. And you've got to give these things a good go. And has it kind of lived up to your expectations? Yeah, well, we didn't actually come over with huge expectations, thinking, oh, there were better opportunities for our kids or anything like that. What Um, did you know about before you went about the situation for New Zealanders there? Well, we basically knew that we weren't weren't entitled to many social benefits unless we were citizens or at least permanent residents. We knew that we could have access to Medicare, which was a big thing, and it's and it has been a big, huge thing for us because basically we get free doctor's visits and all that sort of thing. When you've got kids, not having to pay to go to the doctor <laughs> is massive. And we knew we could get some family assistance. <sighs> so even though I came over with the kids without a job, we immediately could get a family benefit, depending on what Richard was earning. So we were entitled to subsidies and childcare uh, subsidies. We couldn't get anything else, pretty much, nearly. We have just, in the last few months, applied for that, but that was on top of getting permanent residency first. So when you're a Kiwi coming to Australia after 2001, you are not automatically a permanent resident. You get put on a temporary, it's called a special category visa, Close to 700,000 Kiwis live in Australia, compared to around 70,000 Australians here. Until 2001, they did have equal rights. Then the John Howard government stripped them back. Those arriving in Australia after the 26th of February 2001 will be living here but were outside the country on that date and not eligible for Social Security benefits or Australian citizenship. And we're not just talking about New Zealanders accessing unemployment benefits here. They're also being denied access to public housing, student loans, even employment with state police and fire brigades. It's a very weird thing because you can come over here, you can live here as long as you like, you can work here, but but you're not automatically a permanent resident. So you get put on this temporary special category visa then the criteria is that you need to have worked consecutively for five years, earning at least $50,000 a year before you're eligible to apply for permanent residency. Richard had had done that. Mm. He had worked consecutively, earning over $50,000. So he was the person that applied for permanent residency, and he brought myself and the girls in on his application. And when did he make that application? 
I think we put it in on December 2020, and then we had to wait a year before we could apply for citizenship. And we put it in about a month ago. Right. And and how long is is that expected to take? Look, just from family members who have done it, it, it will be about a year. But when you're not given a date, and then we have to do a test, testing us on our Australian knowledge. Yeah, it's, it's a funny one, isn't it, Leanne? Because in some ways, you know, obviously New Zealanders do get special treatment when they arrive in New Zealand, uh, in Australia. It's not, it's not as special yeah. as it used to be. But on the yeah. other hand... It's a very weird situation. You really have to be very forward-thinking and organised and think about the future because, you know, you might get to retirement age and suddenly you've got no pension or you might end up with a child with a disability and you're not eligible for disability allowance, you're not eligible for the National Disability Insurance Scheme So you have no financial assistance if you give birth to a child with a disability. Things like that you have to be wary of and it makes makes you very vulnerable and we have felt vulnerable while we've been here. And there's also a huge group of Kiwis who have no pathway to citizenship because they haven't earned $50,000 consecutively for five years. So my nephew's one of those. He's he's had casual jobs here for years, but it's, you know, on and off, not necessarily up to $50,000. So he's actually got no pathway to citizenship at all. It's quite a challenge for young people in, in particular you know, because a lot of them have got part-time jobs or casual jobs. It's It can be tricky to be consecutively earning 50000 k a year for five years. The Howard government was kind of a view that I think, you know, people are using New Zealand as a backdoor into Australia. That's Luke Malpass, Stuff's political editor, explaining the Howard government's thinking behind its unfair treatment of Kiwis. The thing is that Australians do have much better rights here than New Zealanders do in Australia. Yes, that's right. When it comes to the citizenship stuff, I mean, basically, if you're an Aussie and you live here for five years, you just apply and you and you get granted a citizenship. All you need to do is, is you know, pass the language test and make sure you're of good character, which pretty much means you haven't been to jail. And how yeah. did that come about? Oh, I think just a series of changes by the Australian government, basically. The background of it was probably that the Aussies got into a into a habit of not really giving New Zealand anything that didn't have any political upside and anything that had domestic political upside, even if it was bad for the relationship, basically took the relationship for granted and said, well, we'll go ahead and do it anyway. Very much driven by domestic Australian domestic politics. And so over the last 21 years, that kind of attitude has continued? I think so. I think it's probably increased. If you think about the Peter Dutton taking out the trash 
Our Home Affairs Minister adding insult to injury. Well, it's taking the trash out, then we can make Australia a safer place. And it hasn't gone down well. Look, Dutton's comments only serve to Trisha's own reputation. This is a deplorable move by the Australian government uh, that we completely disagree with. It would have been pretty unbelievable to, to think that that would have happened 15 years prior. So it was the style of government over there? That... I think so. I mean, it got much worse from 2014 when the deportees stuff started. These people fall under Section 501 of the Migration Act. Visa holders, not Australian citizens, sentenced to at least 12 months jail face mandatory deportation. Over the past 12 months, 300 people have been sent back to New Zealand more than any other country. But, uh, I mean, under the previous ALP government, wasn't any better. Yeah, so this has been going for a long time. So what do you think this new, this review is going to end up looking like? I think it'll end up being some sort of reciprocal arrangement. So I suspect what will happen is if you're a New Zealander, you've been in Australia for five years, you pass, a, it, it becomes more of a right rather than a, an application, if you like. Mm. After five years, you can apply for the citizenship if you're of good character you pass the English test, you pass the residency requirements, then you get the tip, basically, which is exactly what happens in New Zealand. I think for the five years prior, you have to have lived here for basically eight, eight out of every 12 months, you know, speak basic English and be of good character. Like speeding tickets and stuff like that are fine, but if you've you know, um, been convicted of a criminal offence, then I think you don't make the, the grade on that. So they, there will be an equal relationship, because right now there isn't. Well, yeah, it has gone in one direction for basically 20 years, and I think the new Labour government over there certainly looks like uh, they think that that is a problem, um, that it creates a strain on the relationship for no good reason, uh, and that they want to and that they want to fix it. And even the language around deportees, I was there and last week, you know, I was there on Friday. And Even the language around how they would be applying the character test to deportees had changed, you know, dramatically. 501s will continue to exist. We will continue to deport people when appropriate. Uh, but where you have a circumstance where uh, someone has no connection whatsoever to New Zealand, then common sense should apply and we'll, we'll act as friends. To be honest, on Friday we saw much more movement in this space than certainly I expected. Because it is yeah, quite absolutely. a turnaround, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it's turning around and kind of going back, going back in the other direction. We don't want people to be temporary residents forever. No New Zealander or Australian should be re rendered permanently temporary. That is a step change in the way that we've previously seen New Zealanders treated here. Was this all because Jacinda Ardern and Anthony Albanese have a good relationship? How was it achieved? I think it's a bit of that. There are no closer friends. I think New Zealand at a diplomatic level has been making these sorts of representations for a long time. The Australian Labor Party for a number of years now has, has held the view that that New Zealanders need to be treated a bit better. However, it's never been a particular... You know, like for years, the only person who was supporting New Zealanders' rights in Australia was Pauline Hanson, basically. Uh, however, I think it's, you know, they're in government now, cost them nothing, don't really need to do much, kind of, and it keeps a friend happy. Um, it's kind of like, you know, politically, it's, a, it's more of a why not question. 
I mean, the other thing is, if you think strategically more long term, there is potential upside for Australian Labor here, because if, you know, if most New Zealanders became citizens, um, all of a sudden they're voters and probably, you know, in Queensland at least, that probably means another two or three seats that would most likely be Labor seats. There is actually a long-term strategic upside for Labor. The 501s, I mean, what do you think is going to happen? You know, the, the, the words that Albanese used was something like, you know, apply common sense to it. But that's quite, that's kind of vague, isn't it? Oh, I think what it will mean is that over time, people who uh, clearly have no particular relationship with New Zealand won't be deported. I think that's what that'll mean. They will continue to deport, you know, Kiwis who are crooks, right? Um, as is sort of as is their right, as New Zealand would do. Um, but you know, if it's the cases where you know they've lived there their whole lives or moved there when they were a little child and have no real relationship back in New Zealand, then um, then you know I would have thought that is what common sense looked. And given that he said it now, you know. Mm. If this is all reviewed, what would you like to see? I'd like to see the pathway made easier for citizenship. Like New Zealand and Australia have this trans-Tasman travel arrangement. So if you're going to have an arrangement, then make it an equal arrangement. So um, I'd like to see it along similar lines as to what, you know, the way New Zealand treats Australians when they move over there. You're not entitled to vote either, are you? No, no. It hasn't bothered me, to be honest. I've um, quite enjoyed having a break from voting. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking about politics. Not having to think about it or listen listen to it. I've always kept my ear out for um, anything, I suppose, that's going to affect us directly, but um, it has been quite nice not to feel like you have to pay special attention to it because you've got no say. (laughs) But um, I will say, though, and this was not, I was quite surprised, and it's not necessarily because I'm a Kiwi, but on election night when Labour got in, I felt a huge weight lifted. And, Why is um, that? Just the Morrison government and the people in that government, it feels really oppressive under them. And they're so hard-nosed, in my view, um, about everything. There's no give. Um, the way they treat refugees and things like that, it just it's so, I don't know, hard-nosed is probably a euphemism for what I really want to say, but um, (laughs) when Labor got in, and honestly, I know nothing about Labor's policies, but I just felt, oh my gosh, there's room for negotiation with with all kinds of things, not just Kiwis, but aged care, you know, the Morrison government did nothing with aged care, and it's a massive problem here. It's felt 
you're under some kind of regime. So you tended to come back to New Zealand? <laughs> no, n- not really. Like I said, we made a decision to come here. Australian people are amazing and, you know, they've been really good to us. You know, life life has been has been good. But, of course, you do get a bit homesick when you look at gorgeous photos of New Zealand scenery and that sort of thing. But um, when I think about the cost of living in New Zealand, and, you know, it is, it's getting worse here as well, but I just think, oh, my gosh, how could we afford to live in New Zealand? Wow, really? Even now? Um, yeah, yeah, I care bits and pieces and the cost of a block of cheese and things like that, and I just think, oh, my gosh. How does it feel to be getting Australian citizenship? feels good um (laughs) it feels it's security of course if we had to lose our new zealand citizenship we wouldn't be doing it but you can have dual yeah Uh, yeah okay um it would be a whole different ball game if we had to lose new zealand citizenship but yeah it's it's a means to an end really That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by William Saunders and produced by Sarah Robson. And our associate producer is Bonnie Harrison. Thanks to Leanne Carlin, Ashley Garlick and Luke Malpas. Kakiti anō.